And we continue with the joke that uh, I said at the very beginning, we're not breaking any code. All right, there's no, there's, it's revelation. There's some stuff you just go, huh, uh, what? I don't, I don't really understand. And, and we will say, we don't understand either, but it's in Scripture, and we can kind of understand some things, but not all of it, because it maybe hasn't happened yet. Um, you guys, are y'all ready to draw? Huh? Allie, if you want to draw, maybe somebody can trade with you if, you're, if you want, if you would rather draw than run, run that back there. But, uh, huh? Okay, yeah, well, I don't know if she wants to draw them. Um, so it's, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. Um, but you guys, if y'all want to go ahead and start drawing, they've already cheated a little bit. She doesn't want to draw. She's good. Um, they've already cheated a little bit. They've already seen the scripture that we are going to, uh, to review today. Uh, but let me go ahead and uh, recap what we have looked at thus far. Are you going to draw, Eli? Get up there and help us. You can do it too. Um, so, here's what's going on. God, God is talking to John on the island of Patmos, right? It's a barren island. Nobody lives there but snakes and lizards, and that's probably what he's eating too. Maybe some fish. Um, but he's speaking to John, and he tells John, I want you to write seven letters to seven different churches. So he does that. We looked at that in a different series uh, a year or so back. Um, and then we saw God on His throne... Right, And I need, I need you to get this picture because we're going to continue with this picture today. God is on His throne, right? And then around the throne are four creatures. One looks like a lion, one looks like a human, one looks like an eagle, and one looks like a, something else. An, an ox, that's right, an ox. I always forget the ox. I want to call it a cow. So we've got these four living creatures that are around, and then around them are 24 elders, and they got little smaller thrones right around them. And then uh, last week we saw that uh, God, who is on the throne, he has a scroll, and the scroll has seven seals. And we talked about the seals; uh, they're wax seals, and no one could open open the uh, scroll. And John is really upset by this so much that he started crying. Like a little little girl, right? I mean, just weeping and weeping and weeping. I'm sorry. Like a little boy. Um, yeah. Like me, when I see random commercials nowadays. Is anybody else like that? Like, it's just commercials. Oh, great. Me and, me and the ladies. Um, so we saw God holding a scroll, and no one can open the scroll, and John starts crying, and an angel says, Whoa, slow your roll, John. Jesus can open the, the scroll. And then all of a sudden, it was, everybody just sang praises because Jesus reads every time Jesus or God does anything, all of heaven goes crazy. Right? So Jesus reaches up and he grabs the scroll from God and the four living creatures, the 24 elders in their smaller thrones, they start worshiping, but it's not enough. Right? All of a sudden, there's, uh, what does it say, 10,000 times 10,000 angels. Now, that means that it's supposed to be like uh, this unlimited angels, but if you actually work that out, that's 100 million angels. That's a lot of angels, right? And they start singing, and they're just going crazy. And then it says that's not enough. It says all of creation, everything on earth, everything in the ocean, everything under the earth, like earthworms, right? It's not talking about hell necessarily, but like everything that those, I got these little 
varmints that are burrowing holes in my yard. They are worshiping God. Everything in there, all of a sudden they're worshiping God because of Jesus taking the scroll. Because it was the right thing to do. Now today, Jesus is going to start popping some seals. Okay? And we're going to look at four of them. And they're called, these four seals are called the four horsemen. Uh, show that, uh, yeah, and, and I, I know you can't see it very well, but this is the four horsemen um, you got, and we'll, we'll go through all of this, but it is devastating what happens here. Now, you got to understand, Revelation is not a standalone book. Uh, we haven't had time to go into it in depth, but uh, we've, we've got hints of, of Ezekiel, we've got hints of Daniel so far. Today, Jesus is actually going to talk about something He said when He was on earth from Luke 21, verse 9. Uh, throw that up there, Alan. Um, it says, When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Now, there's no, still no timeline here. We just know that wars and things will happen first. Well, we've had those, haven't we? We've had some serious wars. There's rumors of wars even now, right? Uh, us in Russia or us in North Korea or us in China, right? All of this stuff. And so we've got rumors of wars. We've already had wars. And he's also going to refer to things that are mentioned in Zechariah. So when you, when you uh, look at this verse, uh, this passage that we're going to look at at home, go ahead and look at those side notes and, and refer back to, to uh, Zechariah as well. Because he actually talks about the four horsemen, but they're a little bit different. So go ahead and turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 6 is what we're looking at today. Um, now listen. I'm normally a teacher. Today, I'm going to be all up in your grill. Uh, this is fire and brimstone. When's the last time y'all had a fire and brimstone message? In our churches, it's rare, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I want to train you guys. I want to teach you. Today, you guys are going to have to get along when you do this, okay? You're distracting me. You're distracting them. Quit talking to each other and just draw your horses. Alright? Draw Jesus, draw your horses. Brother will be his brother. We're getting there. That's the second horseman. Alright? Listen. I'm not going to be a nice pastor today. We got sin. We got to stop. Every one of us. Okay? I'm coming at you hard today. I love you with all my heart. I want to see you back here someday. But you got to get rid of stuff in your life. So I'm going to point out each one of you individually. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Jim, Justin, Jim. Wait, what? No. No, we're not doing that. But you know what your sin is. I know what my sin is. And it cannot continue on, no matter how small it is. Okay, read it. Verse 1. Verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Now, when I read this verse, the first thing I thought was like, and this is horrible. Is he using like his fingernail? Is he using like a, a, a letter cutter, a letter opener? Is he how's it, is it a sticker? You know what? And I'm like, you're you're an idiot, Jason. I'm sorry. I just I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come on. 
right? Thunder, <laughs> right? I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. So remember, the Lamb's the only one that's worthy to open the scroll, right? That's why all of heaven goes nuts, because he's worthy. We talked to Michael gave a great message on how he was worthy, and he's the only one who was worthy last week. Um, but he's just cutting open the seal. He's not opening the scroll, right? He's just popping seals right now. But with each seal comes a prejudgment that is executed on the earth. This writer, and this is where we can... Where, where we can we start decoding, but we can only go so far, okay? But this rider symbolizes the military. He is a conqueror. He's on a white horse, which re represented victory. He's got the crown of victory, and his job is conquest. So during John's time, um, there was this group, there was this nation, uh, and they were called the Parthians. And they were famous archers that rode white horses. And not only were they famous archers, they were like um, Legolas from uh, Lord of the Rings type archers, right? They're like, I mean, they, they can ride and they can shoot. That's the, the, the legend anyway. But history tells us that they scored an unprecedented and devastating victory against the Roman army in AD 63. Now, this is important because the Roman army, when they send somebody, they send a, an, a, a battalion or something, if it only takes 10,000 soldiers, they're going to send 40,000. They were, they were just unstoppable. They would obliterate anything. Now, the history part, you need to understand, it's secondary. Okay? But remember... John, God is writing through John to these seven churches. And so in their mind, they're thinking, oh, white horse, bows, okay, Parthians, I see. Okay, God's, okay, He's telling us something. Now, how many of y'all watched the game last night? Yeah, I know it's tough. <laughs> I got to say this. I love LSU coaches. LSU knows how to pick some coaches. Les Miles, go ahead and run that, that clip. That joker just ate grass. He's like the biggest hippie coach. You know what I mean? Like he because he he said he said he wanted to be like one with the one with the field and the game and all of this stuff. And you're just like, what in the world? And he's still hanging around. He's he's like doing really well. He's in movies now, all this other stuff. Anyway, he's got some podcasts, less is more. Um, but I love the way they pick them. Now, now we got Cajun boy Orgeron now, right? I like him. I don't understand a word he said, but I like him. And I saw this clip. It was from the end of last year. And this is how he felt about his team coming off of last year going into this year. Play that next clip. We're coming. We're coming. And we're back now. <laughs> and I cut that off for time. Like, he just kept staring at that reporter. The reporter asked him, he's like, what do you want people to take from coming off from last year? 
coming into this year. And he's man, he's done it. He has turned the the team around from from less anyway. He's got a quarterback, right? A quarterback. He's a good good little quarterback. Um, but listen, this is what the seven churches are thinking about God too. And we need to be we need to be thinking the same thing. God's coming. God is coming, y'all. And if you're not ready for Him, it's going to be too late when He gets here. This is the time of patience for God. And He's coming. Verse 3. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Alright, come on. Focus, guys. Y'all got to hurry up. I'm rolling through this faster than y'all are. <laughs> I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. So the first one is, is warlike. This one is more specific. He's, he's, giving, he's given the power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other, right? And so what we have here is, this is what we believe is the best interpretation of this. But his mission is to remove peace and allow people to, de to turn to their destructive instincts one upon another. Brother upon brother. Right? Families. Right? Uh, nations, yes, but within the nation itself. I mean, we see this in our politics, don't we? It, you think at some point it's just gonna, it's just gonna, people are gonna come to their senses and we're gonna go, all right, let's come back together, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It's believed that his color symbolizes that of bloodshed and slaughter from within. Now this is gonna ring a bell with people, with the, with the seven churches that are reading this letter, because in one single year, AD 68 through 69. Rome was ruled by four different emperors because of assassination and backstabbing, probably literally, and, and infighting, all of that stuff. Right? God's coming. We gotta start getting ready. Because even, even in our church, right? We got stuff in our lives, and, and because I, I, let me be honest with you, like I hear sometimes, and it's like, I think that's sin. <coughs> Individually, obviously, but but we got to say, look, the small sins need to be vile to us. Yeah. We need to be sickened by the things that we do, no matter how small it is. And he's, like I said, he's given us so much time to work on it. With the Holy Spirit's help, He will change your heart. But if you are just okay with it and you're complacent with it, you got one foot in hell. And you got the other in the world, and you think it's okay. The quickest path to hell isn't from somebody on drugs, it's not from somebody doing all this kind of crazy stuff, it's from somebody who believes that their little sins don't matter. And they don't have to give them to God. That's not a relationship with God. When the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about those little sins, you got to do something about it. You can't just go, Oh, it's okay. I'm just, it's, 
It's going to shove the Holy Spirit down. No, you've got to move. Otherwise, you're just playing a game and it doesn't fool Jesus. Right? We want the Jesus who loves us and died for us and rose from the grave for us, right? We want that Jesus. But we don't want the Jesus on the throne. We don't want the Jesus of judgment. We don't even want to talk about it, right? Ooh. We want the butterflies and rainbows, Jesus. But I don't want the fire and brimstone, Jesus. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what you want. Because He's coming. Either way. Our view of God must include both the cross, the resurrection, and the throne. God's coming. So you better get your life together. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. And I'm not saying like, oh, i got to clean myself up. No, you need to go to the one who cleans you up. You need to go to, the, to, to Jesus who through the Holy Spirit changes you. You've got to get your job right, your family right, your heart right. He's coming and He's not going to show any mercy the next time He comes. <coughs> Verse 5. Told y'all it's going to be... <coughs> Fire and brimstone today. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice from among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. I ain't got a clue. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. It's weird though, isn't it? You're like, alright, what, what is this, right? Um, now, we got to understand, before we jump into this third rider, they're building upon each other. Okay? Um, war and instability within lead to famine. In John's day, the conquering army would live off of the land. And they would leave nothing for anybody else. And so the prices of wheat and barley are exorbitant now. A denarius was a, a Roman silver coin, coin. It was equivalent to a day's wages. Okay? And so for a day's work, a man could only buy enough wheat for himself or enough of the less nutritious barley for three. The price is about 10 to 12 times what it, what it should have been. By the way, I, I don't know this. I'm, I'm going to get all this from... Smarter people than me, okay? So everybody knows. And then, there, but there's a warning, and the warning is against hurting the oil and the wine. So it sets limits on his destruction, this horseman's destruction, and what he can carry out. So we see just a hint, a hint of God's love still here, even in these pre-judgments. We're not even to the scroll yet. God's coming. Verse seven. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, "Come." I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So the fourth rider is not much interpretation here. His name is Death. He's got a little dog named Hades. A big dog named Hades is following behind him or something, right? War and infighting, they bring famine, it brings death. 
Death by wild beast is something that you would expect when a land's been decimated by war and famine. Okay? God's coming. And we look at this and we go, oh man, this is, this is crazy. We don't need to look for a map or a timeline in this because, like I said, we've seen this happen. We saw the Holocaust happen. We know how awful things can get. And so from the time that John got this letter to even now, this has happened over and over again. And it still can happen. This may not be the exact time that, that um, is, is talked about here. It may be in the future. There's nothing also in the text that says, well, this is for non-Christians. This is happening over the whole earth. In fact, the last guy, he's got the power to take a fourth of the earth those on the earth. Don't, don't think, well, I know Jesus. Butterflies and rainbows, so I'm good. You know, I like butterflies I'm on, I don't like butterflies and rainbows at all. I'm on the earth. You're on the earth. Right? Sometimes God's judgment is to allow human sinfulness to run its course. And sometimes it's to allow those small sins because sin is never satisfied with itself. It always gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it grows and grows and grows. And it starts to destroy your heart and your family and all of these things. And, and so He will allow them to grow. He will allow your small sins that, that are not receiving judgment now because God's being patient to grow and grow and grow. And even if you get to the end of your life, you still meet Jesus and you still have judgment there. Whether it's judgment here on earth because of your sins and the result of the human depravity and how it causes personal and social and catastrophic destruction in your life. Or maybe when Jesus returns and judges you. Either way, God's coming. He's coming. Guys, I, I love Jesus. Please, I hope it'll scare you all away. But I, I love Jesus. I love the cross. I'm so grateful for the fact that God loves me so much He gave His one and only Son to die on the cross for me. He conquered eternal death, my eternal death. I'm so thankful that He loves me, He cares for me, He provides for us, right? But if we only view Him as our buddy that we need to bail us out of sin, right? And we don't have a relationship with Him, then we don't know God. Our view of God has to include the cross and resurrection as well as the throne. It has to include both forgiveness and judgment. If you're not afraid of God and His judgment, then you're not following Christ. You don't recognize His power, His might, His authority. You don't recognize His place above you. True Christ followers want to follow Jesus out of love, but true Christ followers are also terrified of God and His judgment and what He can and will do in our lives. How many times in, in the Scripture do you see God show up? Like Moses in the burning bush, right? What does Moses do? He, God says, you're on holy ground, and Moses just like kind of drops, kicks off his sandals and drops, right? Why? The, the shepherds, when the angels all show up, right? Right before Jesus is born, right? What do those shepherds do? They drop, man. They are terrified. Why? Because God's holiness always reveals how nasty we are with sin. His pure light reveals our cold, 
darkness. You may be saying, Jason, I don't want to be scared of God. I don't want to be... Uh, teach my kids to be fearful of God. That's, that's not the fear we're talking about. I think we all know it's respect. But guess what? Again, God doesn't care what you want. He's coming. He's trying to take. He's not trying to take care of your feelings. He deserves and expects your humble respect. So I want to leave you with this question, and I hope we all walk out of here feeling kind of like kind of dirty. Because that's the point of the message, right? I mean, we need to understand we got sin. The little stuff, we got to be working on it. Saying, God, teach me, show me. God's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for these judgments? Are you ready for His return? This is just a prejudgment. It's not the scroll. It's not His return yet. Are you ready for Him to come back? Father, I pray that You will help us to analyze our hearts, to know that we're sinful. I pray that we would weep because of the weight of sin. I pray that we would not put it off anymore, that we would not push You away. Father, You are good to us. And you call us to You, but You call us to be better today in our relationship with You than we were yesterday. You call us to grow and to rid ourselves of sin that we, de that we just kind of tolerated yesterday. Change our hearts, change our minds, change our families. May we forsake the world and give everything that we have to You because we know, we know that You're coming. And when, we, when you come, we won't, don't want to be surprised. We want, to, we want it just to be an extension like walking through a door. We want it to be so natural and so normal. Father, we pray that you bring us to that point. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.